Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Let's see if they're going to get my... uh... That ain't it. That looks like the battle of light and darkness. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, Most of you do not know me, uh, but uh, my name is Jim Hardaway, and this is my wife, Sharon. And uh, we uh, have been married 55 years, and uh, so we're grateful for that. Uh, A little bit why I'm down here is simply because uh, years ago, uh, I read that people retain 10% of what they hear, 20% of what they hear and see. So I have been preaching and teaching using the what originally was the overhead where you had to change the transparencies uh, to what we now have. And so it's just easier for me to see the screen from this vantage point than it is from there having to turn my back on the congregation. This way I can look at you and I can look at this also because all that I'll have to say will be at least abbreviated on the screen. Uh, many people uh, take snapshots with their cell phones of the screen so they can remember some things that may have been important to them. Tell you a little bit about myself. I uh, was saved as a youth pastor. I was serving as a youth pastor, First Baptist Church in Old Ocean, Texas. Uh, And uh, the Lord began to show me that I had never given my life to Jesus, even though I was serving as a youth pastor in that church. I dare say some of you in this room fall into that same category, not to create doubt, but just to make you certain. You see, up until that point in my life, I was never confident of who I was in Christ. Uh, The devil beat me up continually with the thought about, am I saved, am I not, am I saved, am I not? And I remember as a 28-year-old youth pastor, I went forward in a service, and I shared that with Pastor Bobby and uh, another Pastor Bobby. Uh, Bobby Good was the pastor there at that church for 32 or 4 years. And I remember clearly on that day that my life was changed, even though I was a good boy. I didn't smoke, drink, dance, cuss, didn't go to drive-in movies. That was bad in the old days. And uh, so uh, I gave my heart to Jesus, and it wasn't long after that the Lord began to deal with me about the preaching ministry. And uh, my wife did not want to be married to a preacher, and uh, so it took the Lord about two years to convince her otherwise. So we sold our home in Sweeney, liquidated everything we had, moved to Fort Worth, went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, crammed uh, the two-year program into three and a half years, and uh, (laughs) worked uh, 40, 50 hours a week, and uh, we have one son, uh, and uh, the only child that we have an adopted son, other than Dr. Barry, we adopted him. And, uh, but Jim Ed was four days old and uh, we adopted him. And today I believe he's 49. And uh, so he has three sons. They live in Colorado Springs and uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. And uh, so that's a little bit about where I have come from. Uh, a little bit about my history with Harvest Time. Donald Reed and I were serving on staff at a a church in the area. He was my youth pastor. I was the lead pastor. And the Lord led us to resign 
led me to resign, and Donald said, if you're going, I'm going. So Donald and Sarah and Sharon and I and Jim Ed and about 75 or 100 other folks from various uh, backgrounds and gosh, it was a mixed multitude, uh, started Harvest Time Church, November of 1986. And uh, we served as pastors here uh, for just over 20 years and the Lord began to make life miserable for me and led us into a uh, an itinerant ministry that we call Barnabas Ministries. Uh, the instruction that he gave to us was go where you're invited, stay as long as you're welcome, and encourage the people. He said there's a world of pastors out there that are struggling they need encouraging congregations that need encouraging. So he gave us a threefold uh, mandate. He said, go first of all and encourage the pastor and his family. Secondly, encourage the staff and then the congregation in the church. So we spent about seven years traveling, living full time in, in our motor home and uh, we would uh, stay as little as two weeks. We've stayed as long as collectively a year and a half in a church, walking with them through a very difficult time. And uh, so we came back here about five or six years ago to help Brenda and Gary uh, take care of Sharon's mom before she moved to heaven. And uh, so that's where we are. We're just here loving the Lord and uh, thankful for what he's done for us. And uh, so I want to share with you part of a message I preached this time last year. It was a longer series, and uh, the Lord just really began to deal with me about sharing a portion of that with you. So I want to give you a little heads up into uh, where we're going to go in the midst of that. And so I want to share with you just briefly the three weeks prior to the message that I'm going to preach today, or at least a, a facsimile thereof, of the message that I preach. So if you've known me very long, you know that I treasure new beginnings. I, I like every day because it's a new beginning. I, I can forget about yesterday I can move on with great anticipation and expectation. New years are especially important to me because it is a time for us to take inventory to see what needs to be let go of and what needs to be embraced. And so every New Year's, I try to challenge the congregation to examine your life to see what it is that maybe you need to let go of in the old year. Because you see, if your hand is wrapped around the successes of last year or even the defeats of last year, your hand is not open to receive what God has for you. I know in this congregation, because of the revelation of the Holy Spirit, has shown me that there are those of you in this congregation that are struggling with decision in your life. You have discussed it, you have prayed about it, you're looking at it, and I pray today that you're challenged to obey. That you will take what is said today and give consideration to what God's been birthing in your spirit some of it is to do something new. Some of it is to let go of some things in the midst of that. So let's move through this. I have two tips for Christmas. First of all, one, I want you to forget the past. You can't change it. Secondly, I want you to forget the present because I didn't get you one. <laughs> so you'll, uh, you'll just put that down and you'll understand what it's about. Let's move through this quickly. Saying I ran across by... Uh, Sinclair Lewis, a while back, you're never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream. Now, one of the things that, that has 
troubled me about getting older is that I can no longer do some of the things that I used to do and some of the things that I can do, I cannot do with the same speed and intensity that I used to do. But I want to challenge you along with the challenge that's been given to me not to limit yourself because of the circumstances of your life. You're not too old to dream a new dream. You're not too old to set a new goal. You're not too young to dream a new dream. You are not a victim of your past if you know Jesus. Because in Jesus, he makes all things new. And he is about changing you and changing your perspective. Now, most of us don't need to change our geographical location, but many of us need to change the things that are hindering us in becoming all that God's created us to be in, in the midst of that. The series of messages that I preached was making the course correction to reach the destination. We had a youth pastor here a number of years ago who uh, we had sent off to, uh, to Dallas to a youth conference for youth pastors. And we were anticipating their arrival and they were an hour late, two hours late, three hours late. And uh, that was before the days of cell phone. They called me and I said, where are you guys at? They said, we're in San Antonio. And, and I said, how did you get in San Antonio? Said, well, we were just so busy, so excited about what God had taught us at the conference that we were just talking and talking and talking, and we just didn't realize that we should have made a turn. Now, I believe that's true with a lot of people in life. I, I talk to people almost weekly who are caught up in a situation not because they're there by choice or they're by the destiny of God, but they're there simply because it just happened. They're just, they just keep on doing what it is that they're doing and, and, and they're not happy where they are. I don't want you to be that way. I, I want you to be where God wants you to be, operating in the presence of God. Let me tell you, the safest place in the world that we live, which is a very unsure world, is in the center of God's will. It is important that you know that you're where God wants you to be, both geographically and spiritually. So we're going to talk about that. How do we make a course correction? Letting go of 2019, embracing. Nothing changes for you until you change something. Now, I spoke about this a little bit last time I was here, is that there is this mindset that has stayed in the church. That mindset is that, that everything that happens must be the will of God. Can I say to you, that is absolutely not the truth. How can you say that? It's not God sovereign. Yes, God is sovereign. But also very quickly, we can chase a little rabbit here. Did God will for how many to be saved? All men to be saved, did he not? But the same Bible that says God will that all men be saved, that's his heart, that's his desire, also says that there is many who are not and will not be. So, in other words, you, you just can't cop out. You, you just cannot say, well, whatever happens to me is the will of God. No, it's not. God has a will for your life. God has a purpose for you. God has a destiny for you. But all of that is dependent upon your willingness and your obedience to the will of God. You see, being a Christian is a proactive thing. It's not a passive thing. It's not give your heart to Jesus and then just sit back and enjoy the ride. It's give your heart to Jesus and pursue his purpose and his will. Let me read a passage out of Jeremiah uh, that, uh, that I, I think speaks very much to this. You're familiar with verse 11. Verse 11. 
But let me read the verses before that. For thus says the Lord God, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. They were in Exodus. They were in exile. Verse 11 that you know says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Now listen to the next verse. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations, from, your, from all the places where I have driven you. Now that was a promise to the nation of Israel, quite so. But it's also a promise to us. It's also applicable to your life. God has a plan for your life. There is a destiny that God has for you. There is a good life. There's a, 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 a prosperous life. There, there's a, a life where every need is met. There's a life of wellness and, and health and hope and victory. But, but it doesn't come just because God has it for you. It comes because you and I purposely in our heart as the children of God determine ourselves to be obedient children to the plan and the purpose of God, which may mean that we make some decisions that perhaps we're not as comfortable with. You know, for instance, I thought I would move from harvest time to heaven. That was, my, that was my retirement plan. I had no intentions of leaving Harvest Time Church. I had a bird nest on the ground. I was the lead pastor. I had a great staff. We had absolutely no trouble, no problems. Everything was good. There was plenty of money. There was sweet spirit. It was a great, great, great ministry. But God began to stir me up and make me so dissatisfied because I refused to listen to what he was saying. He said, Jim, your time is up. I've got something else for you to do. Your destiny is not as lead pastor at harvest time. Your destiny is out there. And I said, well, where's out there? He said, I'll show you. We sat right here on this pew and, and after we had made that ultimate decision, and we were praying about this and, and Sharon was praying. She said, God, how will we go anywhere? We don't know anybody. We had invested 20 years of our life, I mean, in this church. We, we weren't involved in other churches in other places. We didn't have relationships with other pastors. We had given ourselves to this ministry because that's where God had called us. So she was sitting down here just praying, Lord Jesus, we don't know anywhere. How could you... Uh, uh, how do we know where to go or what to do? And the Spirit of God spoke to her and said, you may not know people, but I do. And so she began, as she began to believe God and I began to believe God, God began to put the things together, pieces together. He put us in places there was no way that we could have been except God had opened the doors in the midst of that. I'm telling you, step out there. If God's been stirring in your heart about something, you need to step out there. You know, when we left in, in, uh, as a 28-year-old uh, uh, automotive machinist is what I was doing at the time. And uh, we had a soon-to-be three-year-old son. I had a wife. Now, you talk about picking it up and moving to Fort Worth to what my wife called the concrete jungle. Listen, it's a good trip. God does not mean for your life to end in calamity or disappointment or frustration or aggravation. But you see, he cannot work that in our life until we're willing to let him do that. Until we come to the place where we say, Lord Jesus, this is the past 
This is the hurt. This is the frustration. This is the disappointment. This is the desire. Lord Jesus, I'm going to give that to you because I really believe that you have a better plan. We're going to talk about that. All right. The thing I regret the most are the decisions I had, but I never made. You see, not making a decision is making a decision. So you need to understand that. Now, this was my series of sermons. Out of Philippians 3, and we'll go there just in a moment, we talked about adjusting your attitude, and, and we were in Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. He had said previously in chapter 2, verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, here was the attitude Jesus had. We're talking about changing your attitude. What was the attitude that, that, that the Apostle Paul had? This is Jesus' attitude. This is what Paul said he was striving for. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, speaking of Jesus, did not record equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. See, your attitude of hanging on. You know, I was raised in a generation when the philosophy was this. Get all you can, can all you get, and set on the can. Because my parents grew up in a world of lack, as many of your parents and grandparents did. This society can't even begin to understand the Great Depression. Have no concept of how bad it was in those days. Things like the Dust Bowl, when hundreds and thousands of people literally were, were uh, relocated because of, of the, the weather conditions that existed. Listen, stop hanging on to what you think you have and get the attitude, Jesus, you know better for me than I know for myself. You, you, you put that into practice. See, we, we believers, we're really great at, at talking the fight. But when it comes down to doing it, we, we begin to, to back off a little bit. God's saying, I've got a plan for you. If you'll believe that, if you'll just trust him, if you'll just hear his voice, he has something for you that is exciting. And, and it brings you to a place of, of, of growth and development. It's, no, it's not easy to move to a new place. It's not easy to change. You know, I'm as uncomfortable up here as if I'd never preached in this church. Right now I am. It's not easy for me to be here, you know? And I love preaching. But you see, you don't do it because it's easy. You do it because that's where God's speaking to you to go, what God's speaking to you to do. Don't hang on to where you are and miss what the, God's got for you because it's better in the midst of that. Second week, I preached on check your BFF list. Now, those of you that are Facebookers, you understand that's your best friends list. Why do I say that? Because I've learned something. Paul goes on and says in, in verse 2, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. He says, adjust your attitude. Be like Jesus. Don't hang on to your current status. Then he says, beware because there is a hindrance to what he's trying to do in your life. Now, you know, the scripture says, 1 Corinthians, again, written by the Apostle Paul, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. It is your personal responsibility to evaluate the people you are with and the influence they have over your life and the decisions that you're making. Let me say this to you. You know, I think social media is a wonderful thing. It helps us to stay informed with people and catch up with things. But good gravy, it can absolutely be an albatross around your neck. 
It can give you information that you have no business in knowing. It can tell you about things that you'd be way better off if you did not know. It can challenge you in all the wrong ways. It can do all those things in the positive. So when you're checking your influences, you need to check what it is that's causing you to think like you think. I'm all for formal education. I'm all for every one of our kids getting a good college degree. But my goodness gracious, the influence of much of higher education is not building better believers. It's destroying faith. I have watched the ideology of many precious young believers that have gone off to university that have come away totally and completely disbelieving. And the only thing you can attribute that to is the influences that they allowed themselves to be under. You know, I saw this in the sixth grade when my son was in the Van Vleck Independent School District. He came home one day and and just out of the blue, we were discussing and he said, you know, Daddy, he said, uh, uh, people are just like animals, aren't they? And uh, I, I thought, I, I, you know, I responded quickly and I said, no, they're not. And, and he began arguing with me, 12 years old. And he said, yes, they are. And I said, well, well who told you that? He said, my general science teacher. He was taking her side over what he had been raised with for 12 years because she was the authority and I was just a daddy. Are there similarities between mankind and the animal kingdom? Absolutely. Absolutely. They have eyes, we have eyes. They have ears, we have ears. I think some of us have two stomachs because we chew our could a lot. But you see, mankind is the only part of creation that God said, I'm going to give you the ability to make a choice. You see, these cows out here, even though they may be similar to us, they can't decide in the morning that they're going to move to Fort Worth. They're going to be right there where they're going to be, where they've been put. That's just the way it is. See, no, no, no. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're not like the creation prior to the making of man. We are created in the image of God. We have the ability to make choices, to choose. And I'm just saying to you, be careful. Ask yourself this simple question. Is this where I want to go and what I want to become and choose accordingly? Now think about this. I, I, I know I'm being personal with you. Think about it. Young people, think about it. Think about that friend you have at school that's kind of iffy, kind of questionable. You know, over the 40, 50 years of ministry, I've talked with many, many young men and young women that were getting married and they were, they were considering marrying someone who was an unbeliever. And so in, as I would bring that up in the conversation, they would say to me, oh yeah, I, I know he's not, he, he's not a Christian right now, but I know when we get married and, and, and he'll become one. The young lady said, oh, oh no, I, I, I know that, uh, I know that he, he doesn't uh, care anything about the things of God, and, and, but I know after we get married, I, I'm going to be able to win him over. Can I say to you, that has been the rarest occurrence of anything that I have ever been taught. But I can tell you, that there are unmeasurable numbers of young men and young women who have left the faith because they have associated themselves with someone who was not of like faith and practice. 
judge your friends accordingly. The closer a person is to your center circle, the greater they have opportunity to influence you. First three, I said, get over yourself. And here's the passage. Notice this. This is again out of Philippians 3. Now notice what the apostle Paul said. Although I myself might have had confidence in the flesh, And he begins to talk about his accomplishments, his credentials. He was circumcised the eighth day. He was of the nation of Israel. He was the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was a persecutor of the church. He was, in fact, everything a good Jew wanted to be. But notice what he said. More than that, I count all things in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith." Now we get down to the message this morning. This is what I wanted to share with you this morning. Preachers, let me say this about Pastor Noe. Pastor Noe, you know these last three messages he's been preaching on finances? He has given to us some of the most practical, applicable information that you will ever hear concerning your finances. I would to God that somebody had taught me that when I was a young believer. But normally preachers are very, very good at telling people what they ought to do and giving them no idea of how to do it. You ought to do this or not do that. You ought to go here, do that. But we don't give much information about how to have it. I want to I give you some information this morning, if I might, about how to make it happen. How can I make some course corrections in my life that'll affect my destiny? How can I do it personally? How choices that I can make? I want to share with this, how do I begin? I want to give you six ways. A wise admission, a worthy goal, a workable plan, a welcoming attitude, a warning received, and a wonderful conclusion. I want to talk to you out of the Apostle Paul's words in Philippians 3. I want you to understand that God has a workable plan, but he also has a worthy goal. Look at what the scripture says here. A wise admission, I have not yet arrived, but I'm on the journey. I don't know everything, but I'm willing to learn. Now, notice this is what the scripture says. This is what Paul said. Not that I have already obtained it or have become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ. See, see, you, you've thought all this time that salvation was for you. No, 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 no. Jesus laid hold of you so that you might lay hold of what it was that he laid hold of you. See, he he saved you, not just to keep you out of a devil's hell. He saved you because there's a purpose that he has for you. And Paul says, I I don't know exactly what that is. I haven't laid hold of it. I I haven't gotten it uh, all worked out in, in my thinking. I don't know exactly what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. But he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to press on so that I may lay hold. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies where behind. Now, now he had just talked about all of his great accomplishments. He had just talked about all of his abilities. Do you know to be a Pharisee, you you had to memorize the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. He had done that. He was born right. He was bred right. He was raised right. He lived right. But he said, I let it all go. Why? Because I come to realize that the plan and the call that God had on my life was far superior to anything that I had ever accomplished in any plan that I had ever made. 
That's what I'm trying to say to us this morning. I'm trying to say God's not through with you. God's got a better plan. Take a risk. Do something. Let's enter the new year clutter-free. If you got hurt last year, get over it. It may have been a valid hurt. It may have been a violation of your rights. It may have taken from you something that, that, that was precious to you, but get over it. Because Paul said, I'm going to press on because that which is ahead of me is far greater than that which is behind me. The good things God's got for me more than accentuate and overcome the, the, the things that I've experienced, good or bad. You know, sometimes we old people, we want to hang on to the old stuff. We want to just not let it go. It was so comfortable and it's so familiar. We like it so much. People know us. We're not challenged in anything. God's saying all that you've experienced may have been the best in your life, but I've got something for you. And in the midst of that, so a worthy go. Where are you going? Notice this is what he says. Worthy means deserving of the effort. The attention or the respect. The gold is an object of a person's ambition. You know, when I was in high school, I was less than a good student. Now, it wasn't that I didn't have the ability. I just didn't have the interest. I loved school. It was the learning I didn't like. Fact of it, my first year as a junior in high school, I got a perfect attendance award Never tardy, never late, and I got a credit and a half for the whole year. Now that said something about my commitment to going to school, and it also said something about my commitment to learn. You see, wh where are you going? Let me ask you, if you keep doing the same thing you've been doing in, 19, in, in, in 2019, where, where are you going to be in 2020? If, if what you have done in 19, 2019 did not fill you up and get you excited, then, then why do you think doing the same thing in 2020 is going to make any difference? You know, one of the definitions of insanity that we've all read is, is insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And I'm challenging us. Listen, not only individual, I'm challenging us as a church. If you keep doing the same thing that you have done as a member of this church, how's that going to make a difference in this church? God's got a plan. God's got a destiny. He set before us a pastor who has a vision. And we need to endorse that. We need to understand that, that, that we're going somewhere, that there's a, a worthy goal in the midst of that. This is what Paul said in, 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 in verse 14 of Philippians 3. I press on toward the gold. Now notice what his goal was. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, even though I had acquired all these things in my life, I had status, I had position, I had education, I had notoriety, I had security. I count it as all rubbish, is how he says it. And I'm going to move on. Now, I'm not just talking about just throwing caution to the wind. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, first of all, adjusting the attitude that God's going to do it my way. Because I can safely say to you, in 77 years, at least the part of it that I've been giving God any kind of allegiance, God rarely does it my way. I have made some awesome plans. You know, when I started this, when we started this church, I didn't start it, but we started collectively. You know, it was going to be the best Southern Baptist church in the world. 
I mean, we were going to have every Southern Baptist program that Southern Baptists had ever had. We were going to have Baptist women. We were going to have Baptist men. We were going to have Baptist youth. We were, I mean, we were going to have a Baptist church because I was ticked off at the Baptists. I mean, it, we were going to show them up. Now, see, I didn't understand this in the beginning. This is all retro knowledge as I've really got before the Lord and, and looked at motive and, and all of those kind of things. And so we started. And we had a great bunch of people. We, I mean, they were, you, you know what we had? We had, uh, well, we didn't have a building. But, but we, we rented the old Jehovah's Witness building, which is now torn down. We had three painted white pews. We had two old stained pews with no pads. We had a bunch of lawn chairs, some table chairs, kitchen chairs, and that was church. We started out with that. But anyway, you know, God blessed us. We began to prosper because we were in the perfect, in the plan of God in the midst of that. And you know what, boy, I'd be working with the Baptist men. I'd get the Baptist men going. We'd have a good group. Boy, we'd have good meetings. We'd get, and I'd say, man, we got that going. You know, I'd put somebody in charge and we'd get it going. I'd get over here and get to fooling with the Baptist women. I'd begin, to, that didn't sound good, did it? <laughs> I'd begin, I would begin working, working with the women's group. Yeah, that's better. And, uh, and so I'd, boy, I'd, I'd get to women and boy, they'd get excited and they'd begin, boy, they'd begin ministering and they'd begin taking care of stuff. And I'd look over there and the Baptist men had gone to pot. Not literally, but they, they had gone downhill. And, and so I'd run back over here and I'd try to get the Baptist men going again. Well, then, oh, then I'd get the Baptist women going. Do you remember, see the guy spinning the plates? That's what I was doing. This one was slowing down and I'd run. And I didn't realize it, but God had a 30-06 in heaven. And about the time I'd breathe life into something, he'd shoot it dead. And then I finally realized my plan wasn't God's plan. And then I began to say, God, what do you want? I know what Baptists say church is. I know what charismatics say church is. But God, what do you want your church to be? You see, God has a plan, but it may not be lining up with your plan. But his plan is better. Now we're here, now we're here 33 years later, and look what God has done. Wow. And not only what he's doing right now, but look what he's done for 33 years. There's been a plethora of people that have been saved and baptized and preachers that have come out of the. It's been awesome. Amen. We finally just stopped using the name Baptist because Baptists would come to church here and you could watch them. You could tell if they were Baptist or not. And, and back in those days, we were much more charismatic than we are now. Fact of minutes, they tell the tale of me walking down the back of these pews one time when I was wor wor was preaching, and I don't exactly remember that, but I know we had some Holy Ghost meetings. But anyway, in the midst of that, we'd watch those Baptist folks come in because it was Harvest Time Baptist Church, and and they'd sit on the back row, and their eyes would get bigger and bigger. And some of them were gutsy enough to stay the entire service, but many of them would just get up and leave. So we finally just dropped the name Baptist because it wasn't in the midst of that. All right, pressing on. I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Jesus laid hold of you, Derek Bridenstine, for a purpose. Because he's got a plan. There's a destiny for every one of us. There's no one in here that's insignificant. There's no one in here that's ungifted. There's no one in here that cannot do what God's called you to do because it is God working in you, his good pleasure willing in you to accomplish what it is. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, 
You know, it's like when speaking in tongues, you know, I was a Baptist. I had a hard time with this speaking in tongues stuff. And my position was this. I believed in speaking in tongues, but this was my position. If God wants me to speak in tongues, he's big enough to make me speak in tongues. He never did. Never did. Not one time. Well, I know there's tongues and I'm willing if you, until I took the initiative to educate myself in the, the phenomenon of speaking in tongues. I never did. But when I began to say, God, not my way, but your way. How, how, how do you want to do that? A workable plan we're talking about. Shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll be among the stars. Are you believing God for something bigger than yourself? Do you judge God's ability to use you by your resources? If you do, you're missing out on some of your best life. Because God is exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can even think or eye has not seen nor ear heard nor even entered into the heart of man what God has for you. I'm trying to say in 2020, let's believe God for more than what we're able to do. Let's believe God for his plan. Let's say, Lord, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to act? What do you want me to press toward? Because we honestly believe that he has the better plan. See, until we believe that, we won't do anything. Until we're confident, God, you've got a better plan. You're working in me. I'm submitted to your will. Then we begin to see God at work in the midst of that. Now, let's move quickly. I believe more people have failed for lack of planning than lack of effort, desire, or ability. But I believe just as many have failed from over planning. The older I've got, the worse I am at overthinking. And it'll probably happen to you. Maybe it's because I have more time to overthink than I used to. But you can think God's will out of existence if you're not careful. God will speak to you. God will speak to you to show you what you need to be about in the midst of that. Let's move quickly. He said, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward, he was letting go of what lies behind. He was reaching, he was making the course correction to reach his destination. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm going to submit myself to your will. I'm going to press toward the goal of your calling in my life. See, that, that's where the real victory is. You want to know why so many people, especially young millennials, young adults, they're turned off by church in many ways because they don't see that we have any zeal. They we, we, do we have a purpose? See, young, young adults are about purpose. That's the reason they protest in the streets. That's the reason they carry signs. They're, they're the for something, they're against something. And they look at the church, and, 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 and most churches are neutral. They're all painted beige. They're looking for some red and blues. They're, they're looking for something to believe in. They're looking for something that you believe that they can believe with you for. They're, they're, they're well, you know, because they come, and everybody sits, and we sing, and we go home. But where is the effect? Where's the difference? Where, where's the voice of the church? Much of it has been neutered because we believe that lie I talked about earlier is because, well, God's will's going to be done. No, it's not. If God's will's going to be done, everybody'd be saved. Now, is the plan and purpose of God going to be fulfilled? Yes. But that's not his perfect will. He desired that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's his plan. That's his desire in the midst of that. A welcoming attitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. More people fail because of a bad attitude than a bad aptitude. 
You know, the only thing, the only reason I wasn't a valedictorian or salutatorian in my school, because my attitude had nothing to do with my ability. I'm, I'm not dumb. I'm, I'm not in any way backwards. I'm, but my attitude wasn't one of excellence. My attitude, I didn't come from a home where it was, was uh, valued. See, you can do way more than you think you can do. Young people, listen to me. There is on the inside of you something that is far greater than you see. The devil is the one that's come and stolen away our worth. Jesus came that you might have worth. A lack of self-worth is a, is a believing the lie of the devil rather than believing the plan for God. We need to understand that in the midst of that. He said, living by that same standard which we have attained, let us therefore as many as are perfect in Christ have this attitude, and if there be any other attitude. He had said in, in verse 14, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So now I'm going to give you a little illustration. We're going to close. Anybody ever read this little book? It's a story about the little engine that could. You remember the story? Let me just read it to you. You see, there was this little blue engine, and they didn't have an engine, and they had a train to pull, and he had to go up a hill. He had to do something that was outside his comfort zone. He had to do something that was harder than he thought he could do. So they went to the little blue train and they said, little blue train, will you pull the cars up the hill? And he said, well, I don't know. I've never done it before, but I think again. And so the story goes on and says, puff, puff, chug, chug. Went the little blue engine. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Up, up, up. Faster and faster and faster and faster the little engine climbed until at last they reached the top of the mountain. You see, the problem is many of us see ourselves not I think I can, but many of us see ourselves I hope I can. I hope I can. I can't do it. I can't do it. I knew I couldn't. I knew I couldn't. You see, we've talked ourselves out of the will of God simply because we've looked at our own ability rather than hooking up to the train and giving it a chance. You can do way more. Here's how the Bible says. You can do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can think or ask. When you come to understand that God has a destiny and a will and a purpose for your life, and that he has saved you for a purpose. And if you'll separate yourself from what was to what is going to be, believing the best that God has for you, you can do exceedingly abundantly. But it can't happen, ladies and gentlemen, until we determine to do it. It just won't happen. We, we have to make that choice in the midst of that. You see, this is how God sees us. You see, what, what it is, we see ourselves like that. God sees us as a super train, 350 miles an hour. From, from Houston to Dallas, how long is it? 45 minutes or something they're talking about that train? See, God sees you like that. The problem is, is many of us see ourselves as the little blue engine. Well, I... I think I can, I, 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 I think I can tithe. Uh, no, no, I don't think I can because it gets tight the first month. You understand what I'm saying? You, you've got to believe that God has called you, that he has a plan and a purpose for you. And when you realize that and you, you let that become real, no, knowing it with your head will never change your life. It's got to move from a knowledge here to a knowing here. I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I can think, all right? But see, I know and I have believed. So if you don't believe, I'm trying to help you to know so you can believe. 
I want you to leave here believing. You see, my preaching doesn't do much on the podcast. But I'm not talking to the podcast. I'm talking to you. See, my primary concern today is, is will you take it with you when you go? Will, will, you, will you talk about it? Will you say, God, what are you trying to help me do? Now, let me show you. That's how he sees you. That's how he sees the church. See, there's no little blue engines in this congregation. There, there's not one that's better than you. We're all different from one another, but not better. We all have different abilities. You know, you know Morgan's a welder. Well, I can weld, but it looks like gorilla welding. <laughs> you know, I can stick two pieces of, of metal together, but it probably wouldn't pass x-ray. But you see, well, gosh, I'm just not good as you. That's ridiculous. You see what I'm saying? That's ridiculous. Find out what God created you for, what it is he's gifted you in, and then submit to it. Now, we're not talking about, you You know, you got to go home, quit your job, and leave your wife, and abandon your kids. I'm not, no, 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 none of that. It's all going to be according to the Word of God. But there's a plan within the life that you now have to do that in the midst of that. Now, here's a warning, and this is something I want to leave, and Paul talks about, you can go backwards. There's no such thing in faith as staying status quo. If you don't purpose in your heart to grow, you won't. If you don't purpose in your heart to obey God, you won't. Not only that, you won't be where you were today. If you don't go forward, you're going to back up. Notice what he says. Just what the scripture said. Brethren, same passage. Join in following my example and serve those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. He said, look at me. God's working in my life. For many walk whom I often told you and now tell you weeping, they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Did you hear what he said? He said, it's been my observation that if we fail to move forward, we back up. Not tend to back up, not could back up. We will back up. I've watched it many, many, many times in churches that I've pastored. I've watched them move to the front row, to the third row, to the eighth row, to the ninth row, to the back row, and out the door. Listen, I want 2020 to be double-fisted in your life. I want you to be on that journey that God has laid out for you. I want you to move forward. I want us as a church to move forward. But the only way we can reach the full potential of what God has is that you understand God has something for you. And listen, as you pursue it, guess what happens? Others begin to pursue it along with you. Others begin to come into their place. And the first thing you know is you're not off out there by yourself. You are a part of a huge force that makes a difference in Matagorda County and the world. But it begins with an understanding and a confidence that you have been called for a purpose. You have been equipped for a purpose. You have heard truth for a purpose. Now walk in it, in the midst of that. I was thinking, Pastor Noah's sermon from last, about give 10%, save 10%, commit the whole 90%, the rest of it to the Lord. I was thinking, how awesome that is. And I thought, how much different my life would be if I had applied that. Sharon and I have always been tithers and givers. We've given tithes and offerings all our life. But that saving thing was the killer. So even though this church blessed us tremendously when we did retire, it did not have that time to accumulate that would have had if I had saved $10 a week all those weeks. 
Listen, God's got a plan. He will bless you. He will. Now let's move forward. Got to close quickly. You see, he, he talks about those we, we didn't get there. He, he talked about their enemies of the cross. Now, now notice what he says. Who set their minds on what kind of things? Earthly things. Could Jesus help us? Now here's a conclusion. It's worth the effort. This is not some pie in the sky, heaven someday promise. This is a right now in your hand promise who will transform this verse 21, same passage, same chapter, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. He said, if you'll do this, what happens is, is he couples up with us. Not in the sky, not some pie and pie someday, but he couples up with you. He comes to be your co-laborer. He comes to be your helper. He indwells you with the Holy Spirit. He gives you spiritual gifts. He empowers you to do the things that you can't do by yourself. But ladies and gentlemen, it all begins with a making a decision to do that. Can you do that? Will you do that? Do you understand? You see, it's, it's, it's not just you against the world. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But it begins as a decision and a confidence that God knows better than I do. I wish I could have time to tell you testimonies about being in places and then realizing it was God that put us there. <laughs> it, it's a, it's, listen, it's amazing as you just abandon what you want and let God have his way in your life. He, he brings things into your life. He brings people into your life. He brings opportunities into your life. And not only that, you're sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit and to the spiritual realm. You know what to do with what it is that he's done. How to make it happen. Don't just be a tither of your life. Don't just give 10% of your life. Don't, don't just hang on to it. Give it all to him. Now, what did I say? You know, I've heard that said all my, what does it mean to give it all to him? You know, you, you, what do you do? Join a commune and, you know, let your hair grow out, be a monk? What, what do you do? No, 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 no. When you give your all to him, it's surrendering all that you are and have to him. It's saying, Lord Jesus. Now, I want to close with this. I don't know your affection toward Harvest Time Church. I don't know your commitment toward the kingdom of God. But I want to ask us if we'll do something this, after, this, this, this afternoon already. Not long as pastor goes, but 11, 15, 12, 15. If, if you're willing to say before the Lord today, Lord Jesus, as far as my concern, as far as I'm concerned, as far as, 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 as Harvest Time Church, I want to make a commitment of my life to be obedient to what you have for me while I'm here. Would you do that? Would you, would you start with that? Would you say, Lord, I'm going to let you dictate to me what it is that I'm going to do in the year 2020 concerning my church. Because you see, I've got a feeling that what's going to happen, God's going to change some of you. He's going to put you in places that you didn't think you would ever be. He's going to give you a responsibility that you thought you could never handle. He's going to speak to your heart about something that you thought you could never, ever accomplish. And in the midst of all that, it's going to be the best ride you've ever been on in your life. Because God is able. Don't see yourself as a little blue engine. See yourself as a high speed 
super train on focus on the track. Now here's what I want you to do, and then we're going to close. If, if you're just willing to say to the Lord, not to me, Pastor Noah's not here, he doesn't know a thing about it, Miss Becky's off out here somewhere doing her own thing, hallelujah, thank you God for it. But if you just simply say today, as well as I know my heart, I'm going to start 2020 with a submitted will to the will of the Father. If you do that, I just want you to stand and I'm going to pray over it. As well as I know my heart, you're not making any commitment to do anything, but you're just saying, Lord Jesus, here I am. Use me. I love, 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 love what the maiden Mary said when she was confronted with the fact that she was going to give birth to the Messiah. Be it done unto me according to your will. Now that's a good place to be, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.